0: Exciting news everyone! The IntroVets Podcast Merchandise Store is now open for summer 2023. You can find the store by going to our website, that's www.introvets.com, and clicking on the Merchandise tab at the top. We are working with a super awesome local company called Apparel Lab. The current offerings will be available for order through September 12th. But we do plan to do more orders throughout the year, including some seasonal items for fall and Christmas. But go ahead and check the store out. You can also find more information about the merch launch on our social media. I'm Lauren and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Everybody to Introvet's podcast. Greetings. Today we have a very special type of snack-size episode for you. It's tiny. JJ is going to be presenting a series of snack episodes about common intoxications or poisonings in dogs and cats.
1: Muhahaha. <laughs>
0: That's right. Things that um don't necessarily lend themselves to doing a full like mystery case episode because they would be like too short. It'd be like, oh, this happened, done, case closed. (laughs) So we thought the uh, snack-sized episode uh, would be a good place to try this out. So we're going to do a little experiment today and see how this type of small episode goes. And depending on the reception and how uh, well we feel like it went, then we'll potentially continue and do a whole series like this. So welcome to part one of a multi-part potentially series on common deadly snacks. Intoxications and in dogs and cats. <laughs> JJ, what is today's topic?
1: So today we're going to be talking about allium toxicity. And that's going to include your leeks, chives, garlics, shallots, scallions, and onions. And oh, I hate onions. Onions. No onions. Oh, There's a reason for me to not like onions because they hurt animals, evil things.
0: Yep. So the Allium genus of plants includes domesticated species, as JoJ mentioned, uh, our common garlic, onions, and leeks that we would eat and snack on, plus chives and Chinese chives. And it also includes wild species like meadow garlic, spring onions, and ramps. Usually they are used for like cooking and flavoring and sometimes for medicinal properties.
1: And for hurting your pets. Rude.
0: Hopefully not on purpose. (laughs) So JJ, what makes these plants toxic?
1: So alliums contain organosulfoxides that convert to a mixture of sulfur containing organic compounds when they're chewed. That's why they have that strong stank when they're cut. They are absorbed by the GI tract and metabolized to a very reactive oxidants, and these oxidants damage the membrane of the red blood cells, and they eventually cause hemolysis, which causes hemolymic anemia. Bad
0: news. Bad news bears. Yeah. For sure.
1: Yep. Fun fact that I didn't know uh, a long time ago, cooking them does not reduce or eliminate the toxicity.
0: Mm. Yep. 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 So dogs and cats can get sick from cooked or raw allium species.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kitty cats are more susceptible than dogs? Absolutely.
0: Allium species are considered hemotoxic. So they can produce essentially a large variety of those organosulfoxides or also sulfur-containing oxidants. We'll abbreviate that to SCOs for the rest of the podcast. And when these compounds are ingested, there is a transformation of hemoglobin to methemoglobin. And then we get that subsequent hemolytic anemia and the formation of Heinz bodies. And mm-hmm. those are visible on cytology. Naughty little Heinz bodies. Yep. The primary toxic compound is in propyl disulfide. However, there are additional SCOs of concern. Uh, but that's like the most common one that we see. And some of these compounds are present just in the raw allium species, while others are produced through mechanical disruption. So chopping or heating or fermentation of GI microbes. So um, it could be that they automatically contain it, or you might do things to prepare them that bring them forth, or just the digestion process might cause these compounds to be created, which is really interesting. These compounds are readily absorbed from the GI tract, and then they're metabolized to those highly reactive oxidants. This reduction interferes with regeneration of glutathione, which is important to prevent oxidative denaturation of hemoglobin. And that denatured hemoglobin precipitates on the surfaces of the red blood cells, and that's what forms the Heinz bodies. And then the Heinz bodies incite hemolysis, both intravascular and extravascular hemolysis. This whole chain of events results in hemolysis, and there's oxidative injury from uh, allium-derived SCOs. So when the amount of allium-derived SCOs in the body exceeds the antioxidant capabilities of the blood cells, then we start to see the clinical signs. Cats are more highly susceptible uh, because their blood cells are just more susceptible to oxidant-induced injury than other species. Besides being hemotoxic, allium species can create vasodilation. They can uh, prevent clotting, so they have antithrombotic capabilities, and they also can reduce blood pressure. Um, and this is because of pharmacologically active agents in the allium species like allison or, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, ajoene. <laughs> it's A-J-O-E-N-E. Ajoene. Sounds like, like a talking like character. It does sound like a talking character, absolutely. An elf. <laughs> These particular agents are more potent in garlic compared to other species. And the hypotensive and antithrombotic effects might worsen the physiologic changes associated with anemia and impaired oxygen transport. But usually you don't have like severe low blood pressure, severe hypotension as like a top concern. Most patients have blood pressure that's still hanging out in the normal range. And then uh, there is at least one case report of hypertension in a dog after garlic ingestion which was thought to be secondary to the anemia and methemoglobinemia. Also, you can get GI side effects. (laughs) So, JJ, what are some of the clinical signs associated with allium ingestion?
1: Tachypnea, tachycardia, weakness and depression, exercise intolerance, pale mucous membranes, cold intolerance, icterus, hemoglobinuria, inappetence, abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, all possible. Um, You can see signs as soon as the next day if large amounts are ingested, but in most cases, you won't see any of these for three to seven days.
0: So when we are worried about allium toxicosis, what diagnostic testing should be done and what might we see?
1: So we do a minimum database, of course, your CBC, and do a blood smear because you want to look for those Heinz bodies. Heinz bodies are going to be red blood cells with clumps of damaged hemoglobin attached. So they got a little friend attached to them. I'm going to look for neutrophilia and leukopenia, possible reticulocytosis and spherocytosis if the ingestion occurred several days ago. Uh, you want to do a chemistry and look for possible acetemia in patients with severe hemoglobinemia, uh, possible elevated total bilirubin as well. In a urinalysis, you want to look for hemoglobinuria and bilirubinuria. You will see possible hemoglobin and hemosiderin casts in the urine sediment. You want to do some radiographs, look for possible uh, enlarged spleen and liver, and um, if you really want to go crazy, you can do a biopsy histopath um, of the spleen and liver, kidneys. That's probably not going to be super cost effective. <laughs> probably
0: not. <laughs> But if you, like, maybe you didn't know what was going on, and so then, like, you know, you're doing that to try to get a diagnosis just because you didn't know.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: If you didn't know that they ate or did they ate anything. Yep. If you do have a case of this and biopsies have been performed, you would see in the liver hemosiderin laden Kupfer cells, and in the spleen you would see hemocytorin-laden macrophages, and then you would see epithelial necrosis with hemoglobin cast formation if you biopsied the kidneys. Cool.
1: Um, You can also do a methemoglobin analysis. You can do a drop of blood on white filter paper, and it will appear kind of brown in color compared to normal blood. And the severity of the brown color does correlate with the severity of the methemoglobinemia Other methods such as carbon monoxide oximetry and carbon monoxide oximetry blood glass are also useful in detecting methemoglobinemia, but are not likely to be found outside of specialty or teaching hospitals.
0: And this is a device that measures carbon monoxide bound to hemoglobin, and that's different from like pulse oximetry, which measures the hemoglobin bound to molecular oxygen. So JJ, Mm -hmm. if we have allium toxicosis, how is it treated?
1: Unfortunately, there's no antidote. Um, if you catch early enough, you can induce vomiting. For cats, it's recommended to use um, dexmedetomidine or xylazine to induce vomiting and not peroxide, since it causes the ulceration, uh, and epimorphine for dogs. So if you have any GI symptoms, go ahead and treat those. IV fluids for supportive care. Uh, the efficacy of activated charcoal is not proven, but uh, mostly is recommended, hmm. and I had a note in here to refer to the previous episode where charcoal issues were mentioned, but I didn't write sure. down the episode number or anything. Like, okay.
0: <laughs> awesome, like that. So you can learn more about the potential pitfalls of using activated charcoal in toxicity cases in this season's episode four point three, titled "Mousing Hawk."
1: So in severe cases, you may need to do oxygen therapy and a blood transfusion. Um, you want to monitor blood smears and pack cell volume daily for five days and also monitor hydration status, kidney values, oxygen levels, um, check urine for evidence of hemoglobinuria, and also monitor the urine output and blood pressure. In dogs um, and experimental subcutaneous hydrogen injections have been found to possibly alleviate the hematological signs, but more research is needed on that. Um, it does not, unfortunately, have any effect on any kidney damage.
0: Really, the mainstay of treatment is decontamination. If you know that the patient has gotten into this, just get it out of them and then monitoring. Uh, but if you already have full-blown clinical signs, as JJ said, then you go into treatment for hemolytic anemia. I always knew onions were
1: demons. J.J.
0: hates onions. <laughs> A little bit. Well, how well do we expect these patients to do?
1: It's going to depend on the type of allium ingested. Garlic is two to three times worse than onions, and the powdered form of onions or garlic are often more concentrated and more toxic. Um, it's also going to depend on how much was ingested, how bad the anemia gets, and when or if supportive treatment occurs. Um, side note... A lot of baby foods have onion and or garlic powder, so don't give that crap to
0: cats. Yep, absolutely. No baby food. Read the ingredients. hmm Mm-hmm. So we'll just add that you might need to monitor things like the pet's hydration status, kidney values, and blood pressure, given the other effects. And then urine monitoring is important um, after ingestion because that's one way that we can tell whether they're starting to have effects if the urine becomes discolored. What about a breed predisposition?
1: So there are none for kitties in dogs, the Shiba Inu and the Akita.
0: And in my reading, several other Japanese breeds have also been noted to have a predisposition. So the Kai Kin, the Japanese terrier, the Tosa Inu, Japanese spits. And in these last two, I am struggling with the pronunciation, so (laughs) forgive me. I think that this is the Shikoku Inu and the Hokkaido. But if I'm pronouncing those incorrectly, just let me know. The increased risk in these breeds is associated with a hereditary condition. In which high levels of red blood cells containing reduced glutathione and potassium concentrations occur. And the term for this is HK breeds. Mm. Sounds cool. So um that is pretty short and sweet. Pretty good review. And indicative of why we were making this a snack-sized episode, because it is pretty straightforward, especially mm-hmm. if you know, you know, that the pet got into the allium uh in in the beginning. Yeah. Now, JJ, you have first hand experience with this, right? Yeah. My uh dog that I had
1: through tech school and into the first like seven, eight years of my career got into some garbage and this was uh <laughs> this was fun. I, I was learning how to cook ish and Oh no. Yeah, I had gotten this pack of like I wanted to make some, like, beef tips and gravy, and I put some in the crock pot, and I had this, like, packet of gravy mix that had dehydrated onions in it. I didn't realize that, because apparently I did not read enough of the package. And after they sat in the crock pot all day, the onions had swelled into these giant squiggly uh, uh, and I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) So I threw them away, and my dog at the time, Chewy, got into the garbage and I didn't realize he had gotten into the garbage until the next morning. So I took him to work with me and I was like, he ate this. I don't know It's a big deal. They were cooked and Doc was like, that don't matter. Let's check some lab work. And he was okay. The first lab work we checked, I had no idea how much he'd actually eaten of it. But they went ahead and was like, let's just give him some IV fluids and keep an eye on him. And the next day, we rechecked some lab works, and he was starting to show some signs of anemia. Oh no! We did not check a blood smear, oddly enough,
0: which Hmm. you know back then. Well, you knew about the onions, right?
1: Yeah. So I guess it would have been maybe a the mainly we were just looking for the anemia, but it would have been still cool. Yeah. But yeah, um, he ended up. You know, he was fine. I don't think he had any GI signs, which is odd because he had like a delicate little stomach. He was definitely a technician animal. He had oh, lots of issues. A baby. Yeah, well he he was a big baby. He was 75 pounds of <laughs> he had seizures. He had thyroid disease. He had uh luxating patellas and
0: This is also the dog that got heat stroke, right?
1: Yes. He had two heat strokes, and the seizures started after that, which I still think were related, but I don't know for sure. Um, he never had them often enough to be on any medication for them, but um, he had them. You know, usually when there was bad weather, that that brought him on. He also had a TPLO that got MRSA, and eventually we had to mm-hmm. take all the hardware out because it was a nightmare. It was like two years of trying to treat that mess, and. Then his uh, femur broke where the screws were, What? so we had to amputate the leg. Oh, yeah, no. He,
0: oh, my God. He was a
1: mess, but he was such a good dog. <laughs> God love him. Oh, he also had bladder stone surgery like three times. I mean, he was definitely the technician learning dog, but he also yeah. ate onions and uh, lived to tell the tale. But, yeah, we um, checked CBC on him, you know, a couple times a day for the next couple of days, and after about two or three days, he normalized. So he didn't get too terrible of a toxicity, but just another check on the check checkmark list of Chewy's life. Mm-hmm. Bless him.
0: Before we leave this topic, I did just want to talk about Heinz bodies a little bit more because there are some other reasons that you might run into them. So again, uh, Heinz bodies are these aggregates of hemoglobin that sort of stick out of the side of the red blood cell on its surface. Cats are more prone to these Heinz body formations than dogs, just in general. Cats are predisposed to the formation of the Heinz bodies, but they don't necessarily have to develop like a hemolytic anemia to have them. So causes of oxidative injury that might create Heinz body formation Include onion and garlic toxicosis, like we just talked about, but also uh, things like acetaminophen ingestion, uh, benzocaine ingestion, naphthalene, which is found in mothballs, and then zinc toxicosis. So things like pennies, um, minted before whatever the date from our episode with Kate Baker. I don't remember 100%. (laughs) But so uh, early minted pennies or then any sort of like a metal thing. Oh, wait, hang on. It's pennies minted after a certain date because they used to be copper.
1: Yeah, I think Is that right?
0: Because old pennies turn green, right? Pennies minted after 1982. Boom. So 41 years old, just like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 41 year old pennies. You
1: You ought to remember that better now.
0: That's right, 1982, like my birthday, okay? (laughs) So pennies that were minted after that point. But then any other type of like metallic nuts, bolts, nails, jewelry, board game pieces, I mean, zippers, like, you know, dogs are creative about what they might ingest. And cats do. Yeah, they are. So anything like that. And then lastly, vitamin K1 or K3 overdose might cause... The Presence of Heinz Bodies. Interesting. Yeah. That's a side note over. Sidebar over. (laughs) Okay, JJ. Well, thank you for researching that topic for us. And I think we'll, you know, plan to present some shorter toxicity episodes as we go along through the season because I think it'd be helpful because we still need to review stuff even if it doesn't fit into like a full episode format for sure. Sounds good. So I think we have time for a favorite thing if you want to do one.
1: Do you want to go first?
0: Oh, no. <laughs> no, right? No. Uh, yeah, I do. So um, at the time that this podcast is being released, I have started my last semester of my master's program in counseling. Ooh, that's exciting. And I am on track to graduate in December. Yay.
1: Yay. It'll be finally done
0: and over. Right. It seems at the same time extremely fast and extremely long. <laughs> and it's hard to understand why that seems like it's both true. But yes,
1: it seems like a I've lot. been
0: working on it for forever, but also that it went really quickly. If you're listening to this and you're considering going back and getting a master's degree in something, just know that like two years is nothing. <laughs> Two years is not It that goes much time.
1: back quick. It does. Seems like it was just a month ago that you were thinking about doing this.
0: Right. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> it's been two years. It's done. That's right. Almost. Almost. I'm almost done. I only have one hurdle left and then I will be done. Graduation. <laughs> That's it. Woohoo. It's the last hurdle. Well, what about you, JJ? Uh,
1: balls. I'm still struggling.
0: Um, our... Puppy who is now thirty pounds. And we need to update the name, right? Because I think the last time we talked about her, she was gonna have a different name. Oh yes. We were gonna go with uh um Tookie clothespin, but
1: uh right. Ben decided that he liked Indiana better because our last name is Jones. So I actually
0: hadn't considered that part of it. Really, you're the second person
1: that was like, "Wait, what?"
0: (laughs) I hadn't thought about that at all. (laughs) Whoops. Yep.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We we made that happen because, like, I've got a relative whose last name is is Walker, and we were like, "Why would you not name one of your kids?" Stranger. Oh, sorry. And (laughs) you know. Why would you not name one of your kids Luke or Leia, and then
0: have the middle name is Sky? Sky, uh, because I you're guess, not like wanting your kid to be forever made fun of for the rest of his true, life.
1: True, true, true. But I mean, you know, it just seemed like a good opportunity. I mean, and they have animals too. I'm Like you could name your animals one of that. But yeah, we're we we don't care if our dog gets made fun of. So
0: Indy is Indiana, and her middle name is Gold Digger
1: because. <laughs> She's expensive and she's well. Cold.
0: Didn't Indiana Jones? I mean, he, he was named after the dog, right?
1: He was. It was a husky.
0: Yeah, but yeah, okay. But we, Just we, making sure we I remember resist. my Indiana Jones lore correctly,
1: you do. Very okay. Good. So she is um fastly approaching five months of age. What? And I know, right. I bet she's gigantic since the last time I've seen her. She's 30 pounds. Well, she's 29 and some change as of today because she went in to get her uh, flu booster.
0: Oh, that's a baby.
1: Mm -hmm. And so she's twice as big as her brother and loves to bite his tail. But Mm -hmm. um, she is in uh, two different puppy classes and uh, doing very well. I don't know how next week's going to go, though, because they're going to be working on stay, and that is not her forte. <laughs> she She's working on her impulse control. But um, so far, she's super excited about seeing everyone. She is equal opportunity wiggle butt for people and pets alike. Typical golden. So she had her first play date with um, a friend of ours, a former coworker, Andrea, who's like a golden retriever specialist <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. um, her dog. <laughs> Uh, Junko, and they had a good old time. They played the swimming pool, kiddie pool, and ran around playing tug, and she had a good nap afterwards. So that's always my goal, her to have fun and take a long nap. So
0: <laughs>
1: I guess her, like her napping is yes, very much. <laughs> and She gets mean when she's tired too. So, yeah, that's pretty much been my life is, you know, because Ben's having to work a little bit more, and when he's not working, he's either Doing stuff around here to catch up or podcasting. So he's, I'm, I'm doing a lot of dog sitting.
0: You're a sink, mom.
1: Yeah. Great fun. So, yep, yeah, I guess Indy and her antics are my, my favorite thing.
0: <laughs> well, I can't wait to see her next. I bet she's so big and she pretty. Is.
1: She's getting her feathers mm-hmm. in, so she's it looks like a real golden
0: Guess who is turning one this next week, approximately? Your tripod. My tripod cat. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, not since I've gotten her, but age-wise, mm. it would make sense. I got her on Carl's birthday, actually. Surprise. <laughs> um, in October. Happy birthday. But doing the math backwards about mid-August would be her birthday. Oh, so cute. Uh, It'll have passed by the time this comes out, but in, like, real life recording right now, her birthday would be next
1: week-ish. Miss (laughs) yours, you ought to make her have the
0: same same birthday as as you. I did for that reason. (laughs) Awesome. Because we're soulmates.
1: You gonna throw her a party?
0: I, (laughs) maybe, I don't know. (laughs) We'll have to see. She's, you know, I'm not sure how much she would appreciate a party. (laughs) You know, it's fine, but... (laughs) We'll definitely have a catnip party. Yep. Have all her toys.
1: Be her friend and her siblings. Mm-hmm. And y'all have a grand old time.
0: That's right. Okay, guys. Well, that's about all the time we have for today's episode. If you have stories, cases, anything else you'd like for us to read, please send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And it's at Intervets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. Show sure do. And we'll see you next time. Bye.